Welcome to The Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Maiden, 20-year PR industry veteran, entrepreneur, and founder of the PR Concierge and Purpose Events. Each week, I'll bring you value-driven conversations with journalists and media personalities from all over the country. You'll hear insider tips and tricks on how to pitch yourself to their media outlets. My intention is to leave you inspired, excited, and filled with tactical tidbits to apply into your business. I created this show for you, the modern day entrepreneur who is not only worthy of PR, but also worthy of understanding how it works. Together, we will find the purpose in PR. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Purpose Podcast. This is episode 18. I'm your host, Nicole Maiden, and I'm so excited to have our guest who's here today in studio. This is not about PR. This is not about tactics. This is about real-life conversations. Um, I have a guest here today who I for sure manifested this interview with. Um, It's Sylvester McNutt III. He is based here in Phoenix, but as most of you know, I moved here almost three years ago from Los Angeles. And I actually started following Sylvester uh, shortly after my divorce, which was almost five years ago, and didn't realize when I moved here that he was actually based here. So I was so excited to discover that he was here and I knew that we would connect at some point so I could really thank him for his words. I have been in media for years and worked in PR for years. I've been in front of a lot of writers but there's something about his writing that for me he he for sure has been one of the people who has helped me um really do a lot of healing work i have spent years working with professional healers and spiritual guides and um you know meditating and all the things that we know that i do um but there are certain people that i think their their visions and their words pop into your life for certain reasons and certain times when you need them and for me sylvester has been a huge part of my healing journey which i know he probably doesn't even know but i'm having him on today to really thank him and honor him and i want to give him a chance to also share with you guys his beautiful journey, um, how he's gotten to this place of being an eight-time author, international speaker, and he's about to go on tour with the launch of his new book, Free Your Energy. So without further ado, Sylvester McNutt is here in studio. <laughs> Thank you. That was an amazing intro. <laughs> I feel like the podcast is over at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's we right. Well, we're just getting started. <laughs> I actually just want to share a little bit more about um, Sylvester from what I know, but I think it's important for everybody to know before we dive into letting him kind of share more of his personal story. But um, the first book came out in 2013. He also comes from corporate America went through um, a transitional time where he was not only taking a leap of bravery and courage to leave a job that wasn't serving him, leave a toxic relationship, also went through, of course, when it rains, it pours, as we know, and I know that's a phrase you've used, but um, also lost his father. The resonation of all of that for me is so powerful for anybody that's been following my journey over the last five years. It has just been one rolling thunder of a storm in so many ways. And I think that when you can connect with people that really understand how you're feeling and how you need to cope, um, it reminds us that we're not alone. Mm -hmm. And so I appreciate the vulnerability and all the words that you've shared. Um, You've done so much. I'm very curious to know because I don't know you as well as I'd like to personally as a friend, but I wanna know what is that moment where you're sitting in that corporate job going, this is it. I have to get out of here and I have to start living my life for me. Yeah, so we probably need to go back before corporate. Let's Um, do it. So I think for me to start, obviously my job title is I'm a speaker and a writer. So I think the really good question for me would be like, how did I start that? And I started that as a product of what I was experiencing when I was a kid. Mm. And so when I was a kid, my parents, they had a great relationship when I was first born. I'm the oldest of five. Okay. And so it was a really good, really good experience. And I remember we, you know, we would go to the beach, we would play cards. This was way before social media and like Netflix. So we were like genuinely interacting with each other. Sure. Um, And it was a lot of fun. Like I would fish with my dad. I would cook with my mom. I really had the first seven years of my life was really good. Then little sister came along and then some of the tension started going away. Mm -hmm. And the, um, the structure my parents had wasn't. I didn't feel like it was that good. Okay. And so 
I was aware of this as like an eight, eight year old. I didn't know what to call it, but I just I could just feel it. I was just aware of it that things were changing. Then brother came along when I was ten. Okay. Now I love my brother, but I think he was an accident. I think he was unplanned <laughs> because they weren't ready for him when he came. And so when he came, then like all that love I was getting at first was completely gone. It was mm. just I was almost like a ghost in the house. And so uh, I started to notice the change in our in our interactions. And I would try to talk to my parents about it. I remember trying to talk to them like, hey, what's what's going on? Why are things different? Because, sure. you know, you're a little kid. So all little kids want the same thing. We want understanding or we want direction. That's it. Didn't really get the, the open conversations I wanted from them. And so all of those emotions and thoughts just set on me. Mm. And what would happen is I would be in school and I would still be thinking about what was going on at home. And I wouldn't be focusing on school. So my whole life, I'm an A student. I'm in honors classes my entire life up until nice. seventh or eighth grade, because then I started having the, the problems going on at home. And so I was in class one day and I just started writing about what I was experiencing in my journal. And the teacher was doing whatever she was doing. And I'm just sitting there writing kind of like your notebook right now. I just I would write front to back. I would never not waste the back page of the notebook. I would, I would I write, it. I think it's like 28 lines on the paper. I would use all 28. I would write in the margins everywhere. And so it kind of became like an obsessive thing for me to to just write mm. my, my observations, my thoughts, my feelings. And then what happened is after about a year of doing that, then I started observing my parents through my writings. And I would observe, they were getting arguments, they were getting fights. And I would just really sit back and look and I would ask myself, okay, if my dad would have said this differently, it would have been resolved. Or if my mom wouldn't have gotten that attitude, it wouldn't have escalated. And I would just really watch the interactions of their relationship. And so <laughs> what I would do is I would write solutions to the problems. Mm -hmm. And I was like seventh or eighth grade while I was doing this. And so that's when I realized, now I wasn't really conscious of it. It was like a subconscious thing, but that's when I realized I wanted to be a writer. So what ends up happening is my favorite artist growing up is Tupac Shakur. He's my favorite my favorite musician. And yes. I thought he was a great writer. <laughs> he was a great poet. And he was a lot like me. He was a very, um, like, I feel like I was a well-spoken young kid, but I feel like I was also very emotional. Mm -hmm. And that's, how, that's why I connected to Tupac, because he was very yes. emotional, but, like, well-spoken. And so, you know, he, he always had this quote, and he, he would just say, you know, I'm – trying to do what I'm doing so I can make sure that there's some dirty ghetto kid who can grow up and be that rose that grew from the concrete. Yes. So as I'm as I'm going through my adversity and my problems in, in the home and I'm dealing with, like he said, like this dirty ghetto kid energy, I'm the whole time I'm just thinking like, you know what, I'm just going to be the rose that grew from the concrete. I'm going to I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to flourish. And I didn't know how I didn't know really what that looked like. But what ends up happening, so that's like 7th or 8th grade, um, the drinking, the, the, my dad, my mom, they started drinking a lot. Mm. So my dad got a DUI. And my mom, it was a two-parent household, both parents working. And, it, you know, that's like the best structure. You got both parents working. You got both yeah. parents spending time with the kids and yeah. all of that. So it was like a really good structure. My dad gets a DUI. And so then it, it was almost like a, a butterfly effect of events. Sure. So the next thing that happens is my dad gets a DUI. Well, he makes more money than my mom. My dad was doing, he was a dietitian. He was a, like a managerial dietitian. And my mom um, was an administrative assistant. So this is uh, in the 90s, early 2000s. Sure. Dad's making more money. Mom's not making as much. It makes more sense. This is what they decided for her to quit her job and then to kind of stay with the three kids now. Mm -hmm. But then to drive him to work because there was no Ubers sure. at the time. Of course Taxi not. was super expensive yeah. and he had the DUI. Yep. So he had to get to work. So this caused me to actually be more alone mm. because what would happen is they would get up in the mornings. This is post-DUI now. They would get up in the mornings and mom, dad, brother, and sister would all go to take my dad to work. So now I'm by myself, so I, I had to figure out how to make myself breakfast, walk myself to school. They thought I was riding a bus, but I was walking to school. Yeah. So I will, I will walk to school because I, I could be alone and just kind of think. I, re I really love thinking. Um, and so then I would get to school. And at this point, eighth grade, I didn't care at all about school. I knew I was an A student because school was really easy. But I was getting C's and D's because I had so much like emotional trauma and stress on me from yes. the household not – flowing in a, in, a, in a healthy way 
And so in eighth grade, I got this obsession with really two things. And it was trying to examine relationships to figure out how to how to be effective in them. And then also how to use my thoughts and, and write. Yes. So <laughs> so funny story. I know this is a, a, a good question. Yeah, you asked I me love it. So what ends up happening in eighth grade is. I write every day and I have a journal that I actually, I stole the journal. By the way, who wouldn't love to see those journals from eighth grade today? Do you still have them? <laughs> so there, so I did a new journal every year. Yeah. Every year until I was like 23. But then when I was like 24, no, it was a year that my dad passed. I think I was 26. When he passed, I threw them all away. Mm. It was like a cleansing of yes. like that version of my life. Yes. But I mean, they, it they was, existed yeah, for a while. Yeah, they existed for a long time. <laughs> I love it. Um, so here's what happened. Eighth grade, you know, I auditioned for The Lion King. Yeah, The Lion King. And so, of course, you know, I auditioned. I'm a Virgo. I auditioned for the symbol role. I love it. Okay. I didn't get the role. <laughs> so then the whole thing was that all the eighth graders participated. Thank God you didn't get it because you wouldn't be sitting here, right? I didn't get the role. Okay. Some other kid got it. All right. He was a much better singer than me. Okay. And so <laughs> he got the role and all of the eighth graders... Um, all the eighth graders participated in this like play, this musical. Everyone had a role. And I was just super bitter because I didn't get the symbol role. Mm. So <laughs> I told myself that I was just going to write my own story because like Lion King, you know, is a story. Sure. So I said to myself, well, fine, I'm just going to write my own story because you guys don't want me to be Simba. Lion King is still my favorite Disney movie, right? The best. So I ended up writing this like Disney movie in eighth grade. And, um, when I wrote the story, then I realized I was like, wow, like I actually might be good at writing because I wrote a whole story. I wrote like a whole movie. So um, moving forward, when I get to high school, um, all the classes, they're horrible, like social studies, yeah. geography, algebra, like two plus X times Y. Like What? In there. What are we talking right? about? Algebra. What, yeah. What is like a foreign language? Yeah. But when I got to English and when I got to my speaking classes, yes. I was I was just like, OK, you were lit up. OK. Yeah. OK, cool. A haiku. OK, no problem. <laughs> OK. What'd you say? OK. Boom. I, like I was doing everything. Yeah. I, I paid so, so much attention. I was just drawn mm -hmm. to writing and speaking. And so when I was in high school, I, I, I was very fortunate. I went to a really nice high school. I went to Palatine High School, which they won um, Blue Ribbon Awards, which okay. gets awarded to the top 100 high schools in America. We won it three years in a row that I was there. So we were one of the top 100 high schools in America wow. for athletics and academics. So, I mean, I loved, I loved the high school experience because it, it really gave me, like, a lot of culture, I felt like. Sure. Especially with the electives we got to take, they allowed us to pick. You could go the foreign language route. And they had like French, Portuguese, Spanish, all those. Or you go the fine arts route. Mm. In fine arts, you had writing, you had art, you had photography, videography, wow. you had uh, speaking, you had theater. So I chose that route. Sure. So what I got to, I got to study, you know, the basic classes. But then I would have my electives. I would have art. I would have drawing. I would have writing. I would, I would have all of that stuff. Mm. And I just knew that I was drawn to the fine arts because I'm writing a movie in eighth grade. Yeah. And I'm amazing. writing, you know, journals. By the time I get to high school, I have two or three filled journals. There's 82 pages in a journal, and there's 28 lines, right? So it's like you got to think. I use front and back, and I use the margins, and they're filled. I have two or three of those. So at this point, I realize, like, man, this is like this is a hobby that I love. I love to do. Yes. So okay, I'm gonna end the story because I know you got more questions. So, oh, know, I have so I'm many. But this so. is such a good. I didn't actually know a lot of this, and I can almost bet that most of the viewers don't know a lot of this. So this is you really you know, and powerful. I appreciate you for bringing me here because yeah. I've never actually really told my story. Aww. I've only just shared pieces of it through through my writing. So I I, I finish with school to work, and then I let you take it over. So <laughs> from high school, I knew. When I left high school, I knew I wanted to be a writer and speaker professionally. Mm. Now, of course, I was playing football, so I thought I was going to make it to the NFL, and I thought I was going to do that first. I thought for sure that was going to be my thing. 
and I thought I was going to be a writer in terms of a sports journalist. I wanted mm. to be a sports journalist. I wanted to be a, a, oh, an so anchor. Oh, see, it's so fitting you're on the yeah, show. Yeah, I wanted to be an anchor. Who knew? You know, uh, we had this channel back in Chicago called WGN. Okay. And I wanted to work for WGN as okay. a sports you know, sports anchor, talk about all the Chicago oh, sports. I love that. that was kind of like how I envisioned it. Sure. Still being a writer, still being a speaker. It's the same, same skill set. Same thing. Um, and so what ends up happening is I go to college, Northern Illinois University. I go to college. I'm playing football there, studying writing, studying speaking. Mm-hmm. I play arena football for three years okay. after college. I'm skipping over the details because you, you may come back to it. But <laughs> I end up playing arena football for three years. Okay. Then – you're only making like 350 bucks a game. Okay. So when you're out of college, you're yeah. making 350 bucks a game as an arena football player. That's not enough for you to sustain, you know, in, into the future. Sure. So, you know, you're 21, 22. That's fine. It's, yeah. You don't have much responsibilities. But in the future, and I'm trying to think in the future, I'm just saying to myself, no, I won't be able to play football forever. So I need to get back to what I was trying to do. That's right. Which oh. was Isn't that interesting though, how your soul was probably like pushing that message to you, but mm-hmm. you needed to wait for the right sign to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that is about how many years ago was that now? The, which part? Wait, uh, kind of putting when I left, the football. When I left football. So I left college in 09. Okay. So I'm sorry, 08. So basically 08 to 10 was the football era of okay. my life. And from 10 to 13 was my corporate America era. Yes. Yes. Which was, was that in Chicago? Still? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and what were you doing? So what type of work? it was actually, I started doing sales okay. um, in Chicago from 10 to 11. And then I got promoted to a, a manager role out here in Arizona. Oh, that's what, I was curious what brought you out here. Okay, so that if, you, if you Google or if the listeners yeah. Google, <laughs> word for word what I'm about to say, Blizzard, 2011 Chicago. Okay. The images that come up, and it's like a, a post-apocalyptic scene. Oh my gosh! Like it was so bad, people were leave or abandoning their cars, and just hopping out of the car because there was so much snow, so oh. much ice. Right. Me personally, I tried to go to work. I get to the door, I push the door, but the door wouldn't. It wouldn't open. So I'm like pushing the door to try to get out of my house, and when I can kind of get it open enough. I see the snow is to my nose. I mean, I'm 5'9", so that means that <laughs> it was like five feet of snow. And I just looked at the snow, and I said, okay, I'm done. I got to go. Yeah, it's time for us to part so ways. So <laughs> as soon as that winter was done, yeah, the next spring, I was looking for the first ticket out of Chicago. Wow. Yeah, and that's how I ended up in Phoenix. So you came here through with this corporate job. With the corporate job, yep. And how long were you there before you left and then went into all the writing of the books? Okay. So when I was at the corporate job doing sales, just as a rep, it was a perfect job. Yeah. I had the best, I had three managers that were great. Uh, it was uh, Andrew, Jeremy, and Jennifer. And they all had different styles. And what I liked about Jennifer is she was a very like laissez-faire manager. She was she was like, okay, go ahead, do your thing. Do let's, your thing. let's see how you do your job. I'm not going to micromanage you. Good. Let's see how you do your job. Mm-hmm. Jeremy was, uh, if you do your job, I'll reward you. And if you don't, I'm definitely going to talk to you about it. Okay. And Andrew was the, he was the, I want to be the manager, but I'm not sure of myself and I'm not sure where I'm at. Okay. So you're probably not going to listen to me very much <laughs> type of manager. And he was the type of, ma- he was the one I always challenged the most. Now I respected all of them. But I ch- actually, I challenged all of them. We, we all got into it. And I feel like that's healthy. It is healthy. It's healthy. You know, like it was respect. It wasn't, sure. it was never, you know, uh, it was always tactful. Sure. It was always appropriate for the corporate situation. But sure. I would always challenge them. And they would always challenge me. Mm-hmm. And because we had that dynamic, that's why I was successful sure. as a sales rep. I was top 1%, top earner in my company. Good for you. Ah. And so, so hold on. It. So here's what happens. Yes. So I'm top 1% as a sales rep. And yeah, because so, most people listening would think, why would he walk away from that, right? Yeah, so I'm top 1%. Right. Um, my salary is really good, but then mm-hmm. I'm maxing out my commission. So, I am I mean, like the commission checks, I'm making four or $5,000 commission checks. Wow. And on, on top, top of, of my salary. salary. Yeah. And I'm like 24 years old at the time. So that's, you know, that's rich. Good. That's rich, you it's, know, because you don't yes. have really responsibilities that's at right. 24 after college. That's right. And so what ends up happening is, that gets draining. Being being at the 
the bottom of the corporate ladder becomes draining when you know you have more potential. Yes. You know you have more to offer. You know you have more skill. It gets to be draining. Yeah. And I wanted, I wanted more. I wanted, I wanted more. I wanted to be a district manager. I wanted to be a regional director. I wanted to be one of the people in charge of the company's success. Yes. Um, and so what ends up happening is I get promoted to be a manager mm-hmm. in, out here in Phoenix, uh, 44th in Arcadia. That's, okay. where I, that's where I started. Okay. That was a, it was a retail location. So I get there and we, I mean, we were horrible. We were like, I think there's 64 in the region. There was like 64 stores And the region was, uh, it was Arizona, Nevada, SoCal and West Texas. Okay. Uh, oh, in New Mexico. Okay. So pretty big area of, big. of land. Yeah. And we had like 64 stores. We were ranked 51st or 58th. We were really bad when I got there. Mm. But they brought in a new regime. They brought me. They brought a, a guy named Brian. He was from Minnesota. So, he, you know, he was a Minnesota Viking fan. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. So, you know, we had beef on Sundays. And then they totally brought in. I get it. They brought Probably in a, not a good time to tell you I'm from the East Coast. Who's your team? <laughs> the Yankees. The Yan- oh, the Yankees. Giants, yeah. The Yankees, that's, you yeah. know. But I'm going to Chicago next week for oh, yeah. a workshop. So, oh, yeah. Chicago love. It's good weather right I now. I get it. You got to go know. to a Cubs game. I mean, of course. You have to. <laughs> so they bring me in. They bring in Brian. And they bring in this other uh, guy. I won't say his name because yeah. I don't like him. Okay. So, yeah, we don't, we don't talk about We people. won't give we him like energy. Him. Yeah, exactly. I got no problem with him. Yeah. But I just, you know. Yeah. I don't like when people steal money from the safe. Oh, and, I don't like that. You know, stuff the place either. I work, you know, we need yeah. to we need to work with integrity. That's right. And when you're stealing money from the safe, it's kinda weird to me. Oh, but, but God saw that, trust me. <laughs> so what ends up <laughs> happening is we come in and we we just we just brought such a, a lively energy. And we just tried to empower our our reps because we yes. were the management team at this point. Yes. So we just tried to empower our reps. We tried to be there for them. We tried to a lot of times in management, there's a disconnect because your manager, they act like they're above you mm. or they have the, oh, I already did that. Like, oh, I was already top 1% sales. I can do this. Sure. I never took that role. I made sure I took my ego out of my management role. And I will always ask my reps, what do you need from me? What mm. can I do for you? Yes. You know, how do you want to be coached? How do you want to be taught? Yeah. Do you need me to show you how to do it? Do yes. you need me out here? Do you want me to? St- I would always ask, like, yeah. what do you what do you need? What do you need? And this goes back to what I was telling you about. Like, I was really obsessed with understanding relationships. Sure. So when I was in management, that's when I really got to practice a lot of what I, I was learning. Sure. Was understanding the relationships. So we go um, with this new staff, and we take the number three spot in the region, which essentially is the highest we can get because you have the Yuma store, which is the only store in Yuma. Like, in the Phoenix Metro, there's, like, 20 stores. So we can't be number one because there's so much competition. But you have uh, Des- or not Desert Ridge. It was Yuma, and then there was like one other spot, like Odessa, Texas, or something. Okay. And those two stores were number one and two on the rankings every month. So for us to get number three when we were just fifty eighth or fifty one. Yeah, I mean you were obviously doing great. Yeah, that's yeah. like a wow. Right. So why why leave? Okay. So here's what happened. So I do my sales. Right. I'm sales. I'm top one percent in the company. We're great. I get promoted. Now I'm in a management role. We're top 1% in our region. We're doing great. Yeah. I mean, even the director was coming in, and he's like, hey, what are you, what are you guys doing in here? When the, when the director of the region comes in and asks you, what are you guys doing because we want to mm-hmm. implement your best practice, that lets you know you're doing something right. Sure. So with that energy, I did my, my one-year time and title in my role. Yep. I'm successful. I'm yes. one of the top um, assistant managers in my role. Yeah. My store manager gets fired for what I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the structure was two assistant managers, one store manager. Yes. So at that point, I'm thinking, okay, we've been successful. Maybe you're going to take one of the assistant managers, me or Brian, and put us as the like interim sure. store manager and give us an opportunity. Sure. Well, they didn't do that. Yeah. They brought in three other oh, people who there. weren't in the location. Yes. And what does new management do when they want to come in? They want to bring their energy to the situation. Oh, yeah. It changes everything. Well, the three of us came together. And we literally changed the whole culture. Sure. So honestly, the store manager didn't need to change the culture. They just needed to, to continue it. Sure. So when we had we had three different people come in, our sales went down every every month. Oh, no doubt. We're yeah. back at the bottom again. Yeah, no doubt. We're bottom the morale 58. was like crushed. Yeah. yeah, the morale was horrible. The reps yeah. hated. The, the rep, and the reps would come to, to me and Brian, and they're discussing how much they hate this manager. Yeah. Hate. If you hate your manager, you're not going to be good at your job. Oh, I mean, no. How many? I mean, I have been there. I have been there. This is my second bout as an entrepreneur. So I know what it's like to be in that corporate job. And then yeah. 
take that energy to leave. But what? When, when is that day that you're sitting okay, and I'm you go, <laughs> I am done? I'm getting to it. I had to build it up first. So, so here's what happens. When I go to work every day and I'm basically babysitting people's emotions, sure. which is what management is. That's right. And I'm trying to get the morale right. Yeah. There, there reaches a certain threshold where no amount of positive thinking or no amount of uh, of positive affirmations is going to reach an impact because the negativity is so deep because it's now toxic. That's right. And when you're in a toxic situation, positive affirmations are not going to help. What's going to help is changing the environment, changing the situation, removing certain people and changing the pieces that are in the environment. That's right. So that's what happened is I reached that point where it was no longer, okay, I can salvage this, I can save this, where I was going to work and I said, you know what, this is toxic. Oh, yeah. This is now bad for my health. This is now bad for my mental health because a job that I love so much that I didn't want to quit. The job that I love so much is now a toxic source of energy for me. Okay, well, at this point, and I talk about this in the Free Your Energy book, it's like, well, now I have to save myself. I tried to be there for everyone. I tried to be there for my company. I tried to be there for the reps. I tried to have the managers back. Well, now I have to save Sylvester because this is toxic and it's killing me. And it's, it's literally killing me. Oh, I'm spending, yeah. as a manager, you're spending 45 oh. hours, 50 hours there. You got your phone on, your emails on. Yeah. You are connected. Yeah. If I'm going to be that invested into something, it needs to, one, be healthy, and it needs to give me back what I'm giving it. Of course, 100%. So what ends up happening is I'm going to work, and it took me like 10 days to realize, 10 consecutive days. Like, oh, man, this is toxic. Yeah. And I say, okay, well, I need to go. Mm. But nobody just quit their job because of how they feel. That I mean, that's actually kind of stupid to do. You need to, especially as an adult, you need to have a plan. And so that obsessive writing I told you about that I was doing in school, I was also doing that at work. But this time at work, what I was doing is I was, I was taking five or six bathroom breaks a day, about 10, 15 minutes each, but you don't, you don't need a bathroom break that long. Right. But I was going to the bathroom mm. and I was just sitting on the counter and I was writing my first book in my notes oh, on my iPhone. So good. So I was doing that every day. I was writing my first book while I was at work. Yeah. And the first one's called? Success is a Choice. Okay. It's called The Accelerated Success is a Choice. Yes. And that was about, what, 2014? We, was that, that, uh, I wrote it in 2012 okay. and released 2013. Okay. So when I released it in 2013, what ended up happening is just naturally having conversations with some of the customers at work. Sure. I started selling the book to customers at work. So my DM comes in and he, he gets wind of this. And he asked me, hey, you know, you have a book or something? Said, yeah, 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 I got a book, yeah. You're selling it to customers? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, th- they wanted to buy it. I'm a salesperson. So. Sure, why not? And he's like, well, you know, you, you, can't, you can't really, you know, yep. you, you can't really do that. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> but it happened. So it happened. When, when that happened, I kind of <laughs> told myself, okay, Sylvester, you're at a transition period, and you have to, you have to honor it. Like chapter nine in the book, the Free Your Energy book, is honor your energy. Ugh. And what I had to realize oh was I had to honor this this path, this subconscious path that chose me, and I had to choose it. Ugh. And so, so that's good. when I realized, when I started selling my book, and the DM was like, hey, you can't do that. I'm also not going to promote you. I'm going to bring other people in who... who yeah, you, you basically, the universe is like screaming signs at you. You've got people giving you money for your book and your words and your talent. You've got your manager telling you you're not getting promoted. God's like, go. Yeah. On your energy. Literally. So yeah. when that happened, um, I just said, okay, well, I'm good at saving money. So I said, That's I, a I, good I saved up a bunch of money. Good. So, Nope. There's one very important event that I, I forgot. So that was the first event. Okay. The second event, it was, um, you know, retail hours. You have to work Black Friday. You have to work Christmas, uh, New yeah. all that stuff. You're working all year. You miss all that, all that yeah, family time stuff. Sure. And I'm a big family guy. I love my family. I know. Right? So what ends up happening is Thanksgiving, I, I fly back to Chicago. I spend time with my family on Chicago Thanksgiving, which yeah. is a Thursday. Okay. Friday, Black Friday, you have to work Black Friday in you retail. Have to. Yes. So I fly back at four in the morning from O'Hare Airport, the, oh. busi- the busiest airport in America. On the busiest day. On the busiest day. And I'm just pissed the whole time. Of course. I'm upset. Like, I have to go to work. They of couldn't course. give me oh, this the off. energy. I can feel it. Oh, it's I was like, so angry. Right, right. Yeah. It's just like a rage. You get to work, <laughs> customers cursing me out. And, oh. You know, and it wasn't really me, it no, was just the energy that comes with Black Friday. Of course. 
again, the, my mental health, suffering, suffering. So I said to myself, that's fine. I can work Black Friday because I understand the nature of the beast. Sure. You're working retail. You have to understand the environment you're in. This is part of the sacrifice. Sure. So I went to my, my DM. And as a manager, you have to go to the district manager for your schedule to get approved. We, we didn't have a store manager at this point. Mm. So it was just me and the other assistant manager. We went through three store managers. We didn't have a store manager, which should have been one of us. I would have been fine if it would have been Brian. Yeah. He would have been fine yeah, if it would have been I me. but can I tell you something? And just yeah. listening to the story, because I have actually never heard all this before. Talk about a beautiful, I mean, you were being so blocked and protected from continuing on that journey and that mm. role. Look what's happened over the last five years. Yeah. I mean, what a blessing. Absolutely. In the moment, no, Absolutely. not a blessing. I get it. In the it. moment. Oh. In the moment, yeah. the world's crashing down. But I have been there. Like, look at what this has all brought you to. Mm -hmm. You would not have been doing all of this had you stayed in that seat. No, never. And here's what happened. Yeah. Here was the day that I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I went to my district manager because we didn't have a store manager. Sure. Which we should have. Yeah. So there's all this dysfunction. It's toxic. And I said, hey, I want to take the whole week off around Christmas because I want to go back. My my, my father is sick. Oh, and I want to yeah. go back and spend time with my dad because me and my dad didn't speak for about five or six years mm. um, while I was in college and right after. Because okay. we had, you know, so yeah. the, the toxic uh, environment caught up with us. And I can tell you that story if you want to know. But yeah. what ends up happening is he says, no, I can't give you the week off. It's Christmas. Um, and actually some of the other people you work with, they have kids. So it's going to be, they're going to be the ones to get it off. Oof. And I said, well, I don't think that's fair. Oh, that so not fair. Kids can determine a schedule. I was like, actually, I think that's something I need to go talk to HR about. A hundred percent. Oh, well, you're not going to talk to HR about yeah, that. Right. I, I call the schedule. Okay. I call the shots. I said, well, you don't call the shots of my life. You call the shots of what I allow you to call. And I'm going to put my two week notice in right now. Good for you. And I put my note, I put my notice in right there. Yes. When, when it got to be to the point where I said I want to get off for family, and you tell me no, and then you're going to say other people are going to get off for family. Well, they're devaluing. Oh, oh such, yeah, I'm such out. a lack of respect. Oh, I would have been out yeah. in two seconds. I put my two weeks Done. in right there. Good for you. He called me a couple of days later. He said, hey, you know, to be honest with you, you don't even have to do your full two weeks. You can, you can just take it off. So you got to see your dad? No problem. Of course. <gasps> I went back and that was the last holiday that I got to spend with my dad oh. because he passed the following summer. Mm. So that was December 2013. He passed summer 14. Okay. I feel like I'm going to start crying. Everybody that listens knows I always start crying. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, well, I, we got to backtrack here okay. because I lost my father last year also. Um, so what I'm hearing from the end of that story, which literally makes the hair on my arm stand up, is that by you giving your notice, mm -hmm. it freed you up to take the time to go see your dad. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, wow. Wow, and you got to spend a couple of days yeah. with him? we got to spend time together. And it makes you smile <laughs> i know i know what the last time like was seeing my dad Oof. oh my gosh okay wow and so i think one of many things that i have t i mean there's so much in that story it's like my head spinning i feel like we could talk for five hours so you come back from seeing your father basically everything now in you is all into sylvester mm -hmm. mental health self-care yeah. self-love building a new life writing the books putting your vulnerability out there. You share all of this vulnerability on social media, which mm. is how I found you. Mm. I didn't find you because of your books. I discovered your books through finding you on social media. Mm. What I love about your words, and I think what I was reaching for when I was coping with the trauma of my divorce and needing to step back and do work to understand my triggers, mm -hmm. all these things that you don't grow up understanding like mm -hmm. at, right I was going back to the little girl like what was I triggered right. by as a right. child at home or through friends or anything um the way that you write though so simply mm -hmm. but it's so on point it's mm -hmm. like I would read your posts and I would say this guy is reading my mind. It's like, <laughs> you're you're such a gift. I know you have hundreds of thousands of people following you. I know I'm not just speaking for myself. Like, thank, thank God that you got yourself out of that job. Mm -hmm. And thank God that you are doing this because this is truly 
what you're meant to be doing. And you know this. Thank this you. is your purpose. Thank you. One of them. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. One of many of them, I'm <laughs> sure. And I can only imagine what's ahead. And I have so many people I need to connect you to. Like, we're about Thank to open you. the floodgates for you. But Ooh. yeah. <laughs> and I'm a woman of my word. Anyone that knows me Thank knows you. that. But this is such a powerful story. So your father passes away less than mm. a year after mm. you saw him. D- d- was that So that was the last time you saw him when you went to Chicago that last time? Or you saw him one more time before he passed? Was there one more visit? Well, you'd spoken, I'm sure, at mm. least on the phone. I don't recall, actually. I don't recall if the Christmas visit was the last, was the last time I saw But this is happening at the same yeah. time. You're leaving the job. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, you were mm-hmm. releasing yourself from a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. It was like the, the perfect storm, right? Yeah. That relationship was interesting. So... So I met the I met the girl um, while I was still doing sales in Chicago, and then I met her. My grandmother passed. My grandmother was my best friend. She mm-hmm. passed in Same. February 2011. Wow, there's so many parallels here. Okay. So in February uh, 2011, then like the next month in March, I met the girl, and so um, mm. I'm sorry, not 2011, 2012. I'm thinking 2012. Okay. And so then I met the girl, and then the girl. We dated for a couple of months. So from March to September. September is when I got promoted and I moved to Arizona September 9th, 2012. Okay. And so she didn't come. She stayed back. So we, we did like long distance. Ugh. So our relationship was great <laughs> the first six months yeah. and the long distance was great. Yeah. But then around Christmas, you know, she lost her job. Mm. And she didn't, she, she was 28. She was older than me at the time. I think I was 26. She was 28. And she had no support. And like I said, I'm good at saving money. Yeah. You, you give me $1,000, I'm only going to spend like 100 yeah. The rest I'm keeping because I'm just, I'm very simple. I try to live a simple life. I love it. So I just told her, I said, hey, you know, you know, I know we've only been dating a short time, less than a year. And I don't, I don't really want to live with you at all. But given the situation, you know, if you need to come crash here with me, just like let me know. Just think about it and we can, we can do that. You sure. Know, Get you back on your feet. Get you a job in Arizona because she oh, she was talking heart. about moving yeah. moving to um, leaving Chicago as well, and so she did that. So you know, I brought her out here to Arizona. So she was staying with me for a while. Oh. Uh, yeah, well, one of the worst decisions of my life for sure. One of the best. One of the worst. Wow. <laughs> and it's so okay. Yeah. I was dealing with what I was dealing with at work, and then. Well, like, like it's given you a lot of content to write about. Very, <laughs> very toxic relationship. So I had to get rid of both of those things. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I, what I love about this story, and not that I want to see anybody, I mean, look, I <laughs> my, I laugh about the last five years and all the things I've had to work through, and I'm still working through. I, mm-hmm. You've been through a lot of the same, so I know you can relate. We go through our days, and, mm-hmm. and you're never prepared for mm-hmm. the relationship explosion, the work mm-hmm. explosion, the this person that's birthed you is now being taken from you and leaving the earth all these things and the reality is there's no guidebook there's no one saying here sylvester here nicole here anybody listening here's how you're going to get through this we're left to have to work through so much and when it's all happening at once i mean the depression is real I, people are so used to seeing me my whole life as this happy-go-lucky person. That Mm -hmm. is my spirit. My spirit is the little girl in me that's still vibrant and happy all the time and wanting to include everybody and just make the world a better place. But when you're going through dark, dark, dark times that are so real and so unprepared for and so unexpected, it is, you just, the the depression is so real. And so I, I love though that, Look, clearly you've been through, you had a couple of years of just one thing after the other. Yeah. But you also didn't sit and go, what was me? I'm going to play victim. Never. Right? Never. What I respect about you is you are somebody who has taken all of that energy from all of those things. Mm. The rage at work, the relationship, the mm. death. Like, there's so much. But you have put it out to actually help people through your healing. Mm -hmm. Like you're healing yourself, but you're helping so many people. That is so beautiful. And I love that you share it because as I was saying to the producer here before you sat down, I think that one of the hardest things, especially about grief, whether it's you're grieving a relationship or the loss of anything is that 
you feel alone in the grief because not enough people, I don't think, are talking about it. These are mm-hmm. very real emotions. And to be in a relationship that is healthy in a partnership, at mm-hmm. least for me, I know that the relationship I've been working towards and that I'm going to manifest in mm-hmm. my life is going to be one where I'm free mm-hmm. to be vulnerable and share my truth mm-hmm. and be loved unconditionally for who I am. But do you realize, and this is something I talk about in this book, is like, so what you just projected, like a relationship where you're free and vulnerable and being loved who you are, like you have to give that to yourself first. 100%. And so that's exactly why I haven't been in a relationship for the last few years. Because but hold on, though, because what? you have been in a relationship. Well, no. You're with, in a relationship oh, with every single person 100%. you interact with. And to your point, anybody that knows me knows they get all that love mm-hmm. and I give it to myself. Good. Very good. And the last few years for me have been about some of the key words that I take from you are, you know, being the overgiver, mm-hmm. the the letting go, the the vulnerability, walking away from the toxicity. It's okay to not be okay. The self-love, all of it. Like mm-hmm. this has literally been my journey for the last probably three years if I yeah. were to hone in. Yeah. I'm having a love fest with myself and I'm <laughs> about to turn 40. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm going through all of it, but literally i didn't understand all of this years mm-hmm. ago okay, okay. right so for yeah. me it's all come together the last few years i'm a work in progress but mm. yes we all are my best relationship yeah. for sure like yeah i love myself mm-hmm. best friends like yeah. i got my back and all the love i'm giving myself like i give it out to everybody every day and mm-hmm. i know that that will make the partnership relationship down mm-hmm. the road when it happens yeah. the best that it could be yeah, because sure. all the pain, all the grief, all the things, just like you, it's made us who we are, right? right. It's part of what I'm taking now into these future relationships or mm-hmm. work experiences or meeting people, right? It's part of me now, just like it's part of you. But I think what's so remarkable about you is that, again, not going back to falling into that victim mode is you found a way to channel it. Mm-hmm. Um, you've really done, it's evident you've done work like not, I'm not talking about work listeners, like going to a job. <laughs> You've done the healing that yeah. most people are afraid to do behind the scenes. When people ask me what I'm doing on the weekends or why I'm saying no to plans or why mm. I'm going to a healing session or doing something to move my mind or body or something that's going to help me move better, you know, to be the better person I want to be as opposed to wasting time, don't go, you know, going to something I don't want to go to. It's mm-hmm. it's those. It's the boundaries. It's, you know, th- those are the moments where we show up for ourselves to say, it's okay. I actually need to work through this and I'm going to take the time to do it. I want to mm-hmm. understand how this happened. Um, you've done all that work. You continue to do it. I, w- I would say, like, the main reason for that <clears throat> in, in my book, Lust for Life, which is my si- uh, sixth book, one of the second chapter is called Choice. And the framework for that came um, from um, Dr. William Glasser. And he has this, this thing called Choice Theory. And basically, what he's talking about is behavior. Yes. And, and, and one of the, the, the axioms of Choice Theory is that, you know, um, all of life's choices is behavior. Yes. And so I use that as a pillar for my work. And I, I believe that whatever I want to create or be or do is genuinely based on my behavior. But then mm. your behavior creates your results and your behavior creates your, your your life. But you actually, when you're trying to change your life, like you were talking about, like you're trying to change your life, you're trying to transform, you actually don't start with the behavior because the behavior is second. The first thing you start with is your mindset. Oh, it's everything. Because mindset triggers behavior and then behavior yes. triggers the results and then the results is your life. Yes. And so what so I had good. to do was I was looking at all these behaviors that were that I was doing wrong or, or, or ineffective and that other people were doing. But then I'm, I'm there's like this disconnect in my brain and I'm wondering why is this stuff, why are these behaviors here? And it was because we had ineffective mindsets. And and that's what I, I'm trying to do with the Free Your Energy book and, and like my Free Your Energy podcast is examine our mindsets. That's how right. we're how we're looking at situations. Like that's you allude, right. you said the, the victim mindset. I never allowed myself to feel like stuff was, you know, happening to me or uh, you know, why is it always me? You know, I, I I wouldn't I would say that to myself and then I'll have to check myself, like, no, you know, when you say that victim mindset stuff, you're you're taking away your choice. Yeah. 
And when you take away your choice, then you take away the control of the behavior. And then you never allow yourself to look at the mindset. And so that's oh, why so good. it's all for me starts with mindset yeah. and then behavior. And it's then everything. You, choice. you know, and I think that I can look back on my life until I went through the divorce at 35 and had to literally start my life over from scratch about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was self-aware. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we all go through that. Oh, I, I got this. Right. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I see how the world works. I know how people are. I think it's when you go through these kind of traumas, though toxic relationship things with family when Mm -hmm. you really start to do the work and look in the mirror understand the bigger scope and all of this um that's where the freedom is Mm -hmm. right like i i i can't even relate to the woman i was five years ago Mm -hmm. the self-awareness that i've given myself with understanding the mindset and triggers and emotions. Mm-hmm. You said something which I love. This is actually, I looked back, I think this is one of my favorite things you ever said because it's so true. You said, mm-hmm. you will continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything said to you. That resonates with me yeah. so much. That's one of my favorite things because when things happen now or I'm finding myself triggered or somebody mm-hmm. says something I don't like now, the old me my whole body energy would have shifted. I would have mm-hmm. gotten, right, the whole, like, I got to defend myself. I got to, what I love about what you share, though, is that choosing what we're going to respond to and what we want to give our energy to mm-hmm. is what the flow's all about, right? Mm-hmm. People try to upset me probably on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Of course. Things that, bo- that bothered me five years ago or even, I'd say, even a year or two ago. Now I go... Okay, I'm not going to take that on. I'm not going to invest in that conversation. I'm choosing now, like you said, to not even involve myself in having to be right or Mm -hmm. get into that with that person. Let them have their feeling, and I Mm -hmm. choose to walk away. That's the healthy boundary, too, is you don't have to engage. So so check this out. I'm driving over here this morning. Yeah. Got my windows down. Yeah. Got the music loud. Enjoying, you know, the beautiful weather we have here Mm -hmm. in Arizona. Beautiful today. I look in the window, and... When you know, or the the rearview mirror, you know when you drive. Typically, you can see a person's headlights. That lets you know they're they're following you at a safe distance. So I see no headlights. I just see basically face. Like I can see this person's face. Yep. So I'm just thinking, man, this person's kind of close to me. So when we pulled up to the red light, I made sure. I always make sure that there's distance between me and the car because you get hit from behind. You can roll sure. into. It. So I made sure I gave some extra space. Yeah. And what did this person do? Of course, they pulled up right of next. Of course. To so I look in the I look in the mirror and I'm just kind of looking, and she's looking at me, looking at her. I just said, okay, cool, whatever. So I drive off down Central right here. I believe it's 45 miles per hour speed limit. Yeah. I don't get speeding tickets. You know why? Because I go to speed limit. That's right. I can't afford speeding tickets. I love it. So I'm going 45. All of a sudden, I hear, hey, hey. she's just slamming on the horn, expecting me to go faster for some reason. There's also two cars in front of me going the exact same speed I'm right, going. Right, so you can't go any faster. So Ugh. I literally look at her while I'm driving, and I just put my hand out the window like, what do you want me to do? Right. But what was happening inside of me was nothing but laughter. Of course. When I was younger, I would have been you, triggered. For sure. For you sure. mother, you better, don't <laughs> yeah. be bad. What's wrong? That's right. All of that, all of that energy, uh, right? That's right. But that's because my energy wasn't free then because I didn't feel like I had the choice. I wanted to suffer because I let emotions control me. That's right. And you say, is the energy necessary to hold? Right. I love that. I, I'm telling you, everything you say, I'm like, yes, because that's right. What would it would have? What you know, the funny thing is, if you would have actually gone off on her, you would have felt like crap all day, actually, right? I would have came in here and had a bad experience because I still would have, I would have carried that energy because That's it right. was literally five minutes before it was while I'm trying to park. That's right. And so, yeah, I've trained myself now after years of practicing this. It's a lot of to practice. free my energy that I don't even have to react. I don't even have to have the the, in, the inner reaction That's in right. here. I had no. I just That's laughed. Right. Something else, too, that I love that you talk about, and this was a big lesson for me. Um, I am a people pleaser. I am a giver. You talk a lot in your messaging about boundaries with givers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, 
you said something that it really hit home with me at one point. Um, I think this one was a while back, but you said everyone is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I love that also because I think when you are a giver and a people pleaser, you at least for me, I, I realized how much energy I invested for so many years of my life with mm-hmm. people that I thought I needed to be around because I mm-hmm. felt guilty stepping away from them, mm-hmm. right? In work, personally, friends, family. We don't have to be around anyone we don't want to be around, right? Mm-hmm. It's a choice, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I think that all those lessons and letting go and allowing ourselves to detox from all these people is okay. And it's such mm-hmm. a huge part of the journey to yep. get to that freedom and surrender, which I don't think most people are willing to do because I think everyone feels that, oh no, I need to keep this, you know, need to keep this like PC and not cause any problems, but it's like more conflict by not. Yeah, right? absolutely. So I'll tell you kind of like the genesis of where that came from for me yeah. um, is <clears throat> it was codependency. Mm. I was dealing with codependency. I didn't know what it was at the time. Um, but a lot of a lot of children who have um, alcoholic parents or there's like uh, abuse in the home, yes. they end up being codependent because they develop that relationship with their parents. Sure. And so they feel like they always need to be there for their parents or help their parents or uh, like um, um, I believe it's called like Stockholm syndrome or someone's yes. treating you poorly, but you make excuses for how they're treating you. You know, I was going through all of that as well because yeah. I came from you know from an abusive toxic household, and so I'm carrying that uh, on my subconscious as an adult. And then I started realizing, like, this doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right. Like, example, what I did, I still had the codependency when I told my girl, like, oh, yeah, you know, you want to come out here? You can't. I volunteered that. I volunteered to help her. I volunteered to put myself out there. She never asked. I volunteered. And that's what a lot of people who are people pleasers do is they volunteer themselves and they just give themselves away freely. And there's nothing wrong with being yeah. there for people. There's nothing wrong with, with helping people. But you don't have to give yourself away freely. And the reason that, that we do that is because we're looking for external validation. Oh, it's so true. We're looking for someone to say, <laughs> okay, you're pretty, or I love yes. you, or I love the, the effort you gave, or I love the value you gave. We're looking for validation right. elsewhere, and it never comes. Never. And if it does come, it's kind of like it's like a slice of pizza. You eat it, you're still hungry. Why? Because pizza is not designed to fulfill you. The vegetables are designed to fulfill you. Or you get this expectation that you're expecting everyone to appreciate you when most people won't even vocalize those words. Exactly. And so that's why with Free Your Energy, it's the whole movement of the Free Your Energy movement and everything I'm trying to teach with my books is validation from others is great. If, if, if Like you say, hey, you know, I love your book. Yeah. I have to, I want to honor You'll that and I want to appreciate it. that. Yes. But I can't live for your validation. That's right. I have to live knowing that I like what I write. That's right. I have to live knowing that I love what I write. And if some, if you don't like it, cool. If I send my book to Oprah That's and I say, Oprah, bring me on your show. This is a great book. And she says, no, it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. I need to have the validation in here already to say, okay, well, Oprah, you missed out. That's right. You know? All right. I know some people that know Oprah. If you are listening, a copy of the book is coming because let's just say right here on this show, we're going to get this book in Oprah's hands. Let's make it happen. Um, we can do that. And I've got a lot of other people we're going to get it to, but we'll talk about that offline. Um, okay. So much to still talk about. And I know that we don't have five hours to sit here, although we'll probably have to have you back. But I want to talk about, okay, Free Your Energy just came out. Now you've just launched your eighth book. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that you've written now eight books in what, the last five? Yeah, five since years. 2013. Okay, we've got eight books out. You're an international speaker. Mm-hmm. You're about to go on book tour. You're going to San Diego, Atlanta, LA, Chicago, and Miami. And by the way, anybody listening in any of those markets will put in the notes where you can get information to get a ticket to come hear you speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're about to take some time this summer now to go on tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, this seems very exciting and in alignment. I mean, yes. how are you feeling right now? This is incredible. Um. How do I feel? I don't know how I feel yet. It's, <laughs> Mixed emotions. It's 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 a lot. I'm anxious. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm I'm inspired by the moment that hasn't even came yet. Yeah. Um, I'm scared. I'm terrified. I'm a lot of feelings. Yeah, and those are, that's the best answer. It's I'm so glad you said that, and you didn't just say I'm great. It, it's like this is a big deal to put out a book, mm-hmm. and you've put out a handful of them and you're getting out and vulnerably speaking in front of people. And by the way, you open your heart on a daily basis on Instagram to over 300,000 people. You have had people actually reach out to you and say, you saved my life. I can't even imagine what that feels like to have someone say that. I mean, that has to be, Um, if you've ever needed a sign, you were on your path. It's, it's something that, 
I mean, every day I get a message like that. that I mean, I've written you messages. That I appreciate <laughs> somewhere it in the yeah. in the vortex of every DMs. Day. Yeah. And whether I mean whether it's text from friends, yeah. emails, um, direct messages, and that's just that's just you know one method of communication. When I actually go on tour and then people come and see me in person, they'll grab me and just start crying. What happened when I saw you? You remember? Yeah. So this is a funny story real quick. I had manifested that I was going to meet Sylvester and I didn't know when. And I was standing one day um, at a restaurant not too far from actually where we record the studio. <laughs> I looked behind me and in line to order food with Sylvester. And I literally got teary-eyed I looked up at the sky I was like you've got to be kidding me and I told him I I turned to him and I said you your words have impacted me so much I'm so grateful for you and you know I didn't have the podcast then but like this is so wonderful that several months later now Mm -hmm. this has happened but that 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 was a business meeting the guy I was meeting with he's the host of my tour Uh, that was our very first meeting see yeah, I was bringing him on to get his ideas on how oh, we should do the tour. I love it. Yeah. But I, I have no doubt you're getting all these messages, and you do impact people. Um, I, I want you to do an event here in Phoenix when you get back oh, because I, I think that we need to organize something for you. There's so many people here that need to connect with you more up close and personally. Mm-hmm. And thank you and be in your light and be in your presence. Um, well, and it's not just that, too. I, I need to honor them, too, and find out oh, how I can help them, how I can I bring value that. to them, how I can meet them. Like, yeah. for me, it's never a, like a one-sided thing. Like, I, I feel rich and I feel abundant. So yes. I don't necessarily need more given to me. I'm trying to figure out how I can be yes. a part of not only the community here, but just in the world. And that's part of the reason, like, I like doing these talks. Is oh, I get so to be important. a part of everyone's community. Um, This was... I, there's there's a handful. I literally saved so many screen grabs from Sylvester's pages and I repost them. But um, I want to share this one because I thought there were two. Okay. I mean, these are two really good ones. But for anybody listening, this was at the start of the year, 2019. This is so beautiful. As the new year starts, do not get overwhelmed with the new year, new me attitude. Give yourself patience and gratitude for your journey and go at your own pace. Give yourself time to learn and grow. Give yourself compassion as you learn more about yourself and spiritual journey. A transformation doesn't occur overnight and don't dare guilt yourself into thinking that you have to transform just because that's what others are talking about. It's perfectly okay to take life day by day, moment by moment. I mean, that literally, again, I I got chills. You wrote that. (laughs) That was so beautiful. I remember seeing it and thinking, especially now with everything that I've been working through the last year, um, it is a day-by-day process. When people ask me, and I will not ask you this, don't worry, um, where you you see yourself in five years. Ask me whatever you want. What I hope people say, though, is what I say is, I sure hope I'm not sitting here in five years. Mm -hmm. I know that the five year ver- next five year version mm-hmm. of me is going to be way more expanded and elevated than I'm at even today. Mm-hmm. Um, and not from a place of ego, but from yeah. a place of spiritual growth. Of and I think the only way you can get there is to take one day at a time. I think so many entrepreneurs and creators and people in our world, we have all this pressure to check all these things off a list and hit all these goals and mm-hmm. define what success is. And success looks different for everybody. I think taking life one day at a time, focusing on your energy, focusing on that self-love, the more we love on ourselves, the more we get what we want, right? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, these are actually really simple things, but we overcomplicate them as humans, I think. And I think for so long in mm-hmm. my personal journey, I overcomplicated and had to just strip back all the people and all the noise and get so focused on my lane and my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that quote that you shared. And what a great way to start the year because I think everybody starts the year thinking about, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. How about it's we just take one day at a time? Yeah, it's really overwhelming. You see that, especially with social media, everyone's right? putting out their goals and body transformations and I'm not talking to anybody this year. I'm cutting y'all up. You know, everybody does that. And it's so it's so unrealistic. It's, it's just so not so unrealistic. And that's yeah. a great segue to this last one that I have to share that this because this is this is the reality, you guys. Um, this one was so spot on for me. I remember reading this. It says a lot can happen in a year. People die, you outgrow old friends and get tired of mundane jobs. New careers come, new friends find your soul. But no matter what, you grow, you lose your mind a little bit, and most importantly, you get a little wiser. 
Your circle gets smaller because you get stricter with your energy and time. If you're really lucky, you'll find love inside of yourself, inside of friends and family, and just maybe the universe will bless you with a lover who laughs at your lame jokes. That, to me, actually sums up me. That's why I love that quote. I feel like that quote is just like, there's so much goodness in there, but I think it's such a beautiful reminder that so much happens in a year. I mean, if I look at even just, it's been less than three years since I moved here from LA. What's happened for me since I moved here and the spiritual journey I've gone Mm -hmm. on and the alignment I have found for myself, but also working through all the pain and all the unexpected grief. um, It's all beautiful. It's all beautiful, but so much can happen in just one year. Your entire life can change. I mean, look at... That's why the five-year question is such a hard thing. Yeah, um, that's why I want to ask you. You just, I mean, you. there's so much you can't predict. You just you that's just right. don't know. That's right. You don't know how things will go. Um, people expect you. I think a lot of people, too. I'm about to turn 40. I'm a woman. I'm not married. Again, yet, not a mom yet, but they mm-hmm. will happen when the time is divinely right. Mm-hmm. But my answer to people is I say, yeah, I mean... I. I know you want me to tell you mm-hmm. that I'll be married with kids in five years and mm-hmm. probably, you know, with the white picket fence and mm-hmm. running the carpool, but I actually don't know what's going to happen in six months. Mm-hmm. So right now I want to focus on just what's happening now and enjoy. The next time for anybody listening to this, the next time someone asks you where you see yourself in five years, the best answer is I don't even know what I'm eating tonight for dinner. Thank you. So <laughs> love that answer. <laughs> Let's stay in the present Let's moment. Let's stay here. in the present. And let me do the best I can with today. I love it. <laughs> so you're getting ready to go on this tour. People can find you obviously through your website, which yes. is SylvesterMcNutt.net. Okay, and if you are not following this brilliant, soulful, just such kind-hearted human on Instagram, it's at Sylvester McNutt. Yep. Correct. Yep. Um, daily dose of beautiful inspiration it's so authentic and real there will be multiple things that resonate with you it's not just one of those pages where it's like oh that kind of yeah no I mean every day I feel like you'll have an aha moment um so feel free to engage further with Sylvester on Instagram and then again you're going to be in San Diego Atlanta LA Chicago and Miami people can find out more on the website yep and yeah you can meet him in person um talk to him and what happens when you come back from the book tour do we know are we is it so I take a time out uh, no, there's no timeout. So I took a, I took timeout all last year. Okay. So I, I did speaking from 13 to 17, and then I took off 18 because I kind of had this vision that 19 through like 25 was going to be ridiculous. It is. So I took the whole year off. <laughs> and so um, I've already coordinated um, a couple other cities to speak in. Great. But it's the way I like to do my releases is I don't want to put it all out there at once. Sure. I want to do a little bit at a time. Build the buzz up. Very good PR move. You, you know. Yeah, you, I know. You know. Yeah. Love it. So, okay. Well, when you get back, um, I am going to manifest that we do something. Let's let's get an yeah. army together here in town and do yep. something here. But I also truly, genuinely have a lot of people that I do want to connect you For to, sure. yeah. um, especially while you're out in L.A. Um I, I love this. You should just go to L.A. when I'm speaking. There. I know. And I that think. Way I, can I know. You're going to be in L.A. though when? I think you're going to be there when I'm. The, um, I think I'm traveling. Um, I think it's around my 40th. 22nd, I believe. Of June? June? Yeah. Oh, okay. Actually, I might be able to just swing that. Yeah. Let's discuss. Um, but so much goodness here. And I truly just thank you for that little boy in you having to go on that journey. Mm-hmm. That has brought you to today. I appreciate it. Um, I I seriously thank you for your words that you share every day. I know how much they've impacted me and helped me. I know they're helping so many people out there. Um, And I know that there's so much more that you're here to do. And it's exciting to watch it. Even since, you know, the last few years of watching your growth and all the things, I can only imagine what's in store. Um, So thank you. And everybody, Free Your Energy is the new book. This is what it looks like. Um, Sylvester's on the back. You can get it on Amazon, right? Uh, yeah, you can go to Amazon.com. So the Free Your Energy, the whole thing is a movement for me. And so this is when I feel like I'm at my, my highest point. I feel like yeah. I heal from all that stuff, and I kind of understand my purpose and what I'm doing. And so I feel like the Free Your Energy material uh, is just the best material that I have. Uh, um, I, can I also see it have already. a podcast to go with it, the Free yes. Your Energy podcast, which um, I should bring you on as a as, as Okay, my guest. Free Your Energy Tell podcast. Your oh, boy. Yeah. Well, that's... 
I don't know if you want to hear all that, but uh, episode one actually of this show is the abridged version of my story. But um, I just love to support you however I can. That's why I'm doing this also, right? It's like, this is just all about helping people, you guys. And if these conversations are helping to ignite or inspire or light you up in some way or know that you're not alone, that is why we're here. I know that's part of your purpose. It's certainly part of mine to go through life experiences and have the wisdom to share. That is what we're all here to do. If we can all just a little bit make the world a better place to be in, we are doing our job. So thank you, sir. You rock. I love you. Thank so you. proud of you and can't wait to continue supporting you. You guys get a copy of Free Your Energy. And, um, thank you so much hope you all have a purposeful day and uh, if you want to connect with me further you can find me of course on Instagram at Nicole Maiden theprconcierge.com I'm all about supporting purpose-driven entrepreneurs and creators so don't feel uh, don't feel shy to reach out and uh, just wish you guys all a purposeful day and don't forget to get a copy of For Your Energy thanks guys have a good day